Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back for another episode of Doing a Leads with myself, Jermaine Beckford. Pow, pow, pow. And this guy over here, Mr. Matthew Lewis. Hey, say hello, Matthew. Pow, 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 pow. Hello, Matthew Lewis here. Episode 11. Coming in your ears. 11. Can't believe we're on 11 already. I'll tell you what, what a guest we got today as well, by the way. Um, it's somebody yes. that I've got the utmost respect for, somebody that's looked out for me since 2008, given me some great sound advice for on and off the field. Um, I've actually worked with him at three separate clubs uh, and got a couple of promotions with him as well. Such a nice, likeable person as well with a, a wealth of knowledge and great stories. Uh, it is none other than the one, the only Mr. Simon Grayson. Uh, okay, so here, here, without further ado, here, here he is, the man himself. Um, looking forward to this one very much. Have been all week, uh, Mr. Simon Grayson. All week, thanks for joining all your us. Life. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much <laughs> all my life, to be honest. Yeah, good to speak to you both. <laughs> Gaffer, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right, mate. You keeping busy? Well, yeah, you are very I, busy. Um, <laughs> listen, the, the plan is if you don't see me, you will hear me. That's, that's the rule. <laughs> Can't move for him. Can't move for him. You think I have, I have to deal with him once a week and then I can't get away from him midweek either. He's all over the place. We said off air, didn't we, that uh, he never used to love doing any interviews. Now somebody's uh, asking him on painting for them. He can't get him off the telly or the radio. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it pays the bills like you keep saying no. So Simon Grayson, um, one of the most successful Leeds coaches in our long history, uh, responsible for some of my happiest moments as a, as a Leeds fan. Um, I mean the pair of you together, but um, you know Grace and masterminding it. I guess I just wanna I just wanna jump in um, at the at, right at the start really of your entire life, your entire uh, career because you've you know you've been Flipping involved. It, that's in the going game. back a while. All right, here he goes. Because <laughs> um, uh, you've been involved in the game for a long time. Um, I was just looking. Um, you were actually born. Is it you were born in Ripon? Is that right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, and then got brought up sort of twenty minutes further north in a place called Beedale, where my parents still live now. So Yorkshire through and through. My dad's born was born in Ripon. All right. Do you know what? Yeah. My wife and I were married in Ripon. Ah, good. In the cathedral. How about that? So we've. Uh, no, in a, a place called Swinton Park. Oh, right, it's nice. Uh, yeah, nice uh, hotel, isn't it? Yeah. How about that? We've all got an, affi- uh, an affiliation with, with Ripon. What a lovely place. Well, let's talk about the Yorkshire upbringing then, because you were you were brought up a Leeds fan, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Sort of when I was uh, growing up in the youthful years. Um, Beedle, where I lived, was sort of 45 minutes, 50 minutes from Leeds and 45 minutes similar to Middlesbrough. And back then, when you were sort of a, a teenager, you could only go training um, from about 10, 12 years old, maybe, during the summer holidays. So right. I went to Middlesbrough, Southampton and, uh, and Leeds. Um, and to be fair, watching Leeds back in the, the early 80s wasn't great, to be fair. People say, who was, who was your icon <laughs> of watching Leeds United? I said, there wasn't anybody. It was Kenny Daglish because <laughs> that was just... <laughs> it wasn't a great period of time, so... I was a lot of the time I would be playing on a, on a Saturday morning for the district, the county, uh, etc., and then go to sometimes to Middlesbrough, but more more times than not go to Leeds, where you used to get free tickets. And at fourteen, you end up signing schoolboy forms. That was the earliest you, you could sign back then. Not now, where it's probably seven and eight where you can sign. Right. And then I said this story a few times. I remember going to Ellen Road what this Saturday morning for before um, the first team game to sign my forms. And there's another lad in the room um, with his parents as well. And it was a real 
strange accent. I'd never really been out of Yorkshire, so I didn't really understand this other accent <laughs> that it was. Anyway, long story short, it was basically uh, a North Wales accent, and the other lad in the room with me was Gary Speed. So we uh, we, oh, hey. we wow. signed as 14-year-olds together and obviously came through uh, the youth team together, the reserves, and uh, I think he just went on to play a couple of more games than me in the first team at least. <laughs> just a handful. <laughs> You did get, I mean, you played a couple of games, didn't you, before you moved on from, from Leeds? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I made my debut at 17 before um, right. Gary Speed, before David Batty, who was uh, a year older than us in the youth team. Um, so, yeah, but it was just one of them that you couldn't then, I couldn't just get the breakthrough from being, well, could you say a bit unlucky, not taking a chance. The club moved forward in the 80s, uh, sorry, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and then back then it was only two subs as well, so you couldn't really get in as a right. six, seven subs as they are now. Um, and um, it just come to a point I was in around the first team a lot, travelled away a lot, um, signed a couple of new deals. But then it got to like 21, 22. I needed to start playing first team football, really. Um, but I will say in the three games that I played, because I was talking to somebody about this the other day, we never lost and never conceded the goal that I played in. So uh, I can take that away with me. Drew, nil-nil on my <laughs> debut, 2-0 against Sheffield United in the equivalent of, I think it's the, well, what is it now? The, um, well, it was a trophy back there that League One and League Championship clubs played in. Um, probably equivalent of the checker trade or whatever, but in the, stat, in the next division above. Um, and then Birmingham away was a nil-niller. So not many goals, but clean sheets is what it's all about there sometimes. You, uh, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on mentioning this in every single interview we have, but I know I know what you're talking about there, Simon, because I actually played for Leeds in a charity match against Liverpool at Ellen Road. Oh my and although God, not we this lost again. 4-2, <laughs> although we lost 4-2, we, ne- we never conceded a goal while I was on the field. And, I, and, and so I know exactly how you feel there, Simon. It's, very, uh, it's a very <laughs> crucial point to make. So there's no I in your team then, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could say the same, fellas. <laughs> you won your fair share away um speaking of teams so who in that Leeds team that academy that you sort of grew up around and trained around was there anyone there that that you just went there they're just class they're going to be first team they're going to be playing in the top flight well I think pretty much the ones that went through Gary Gary Speed and David Batty Bats was a horrible little well I don't know who this is going out to so I'll just I'll just stop it you can say it but you, what, you, what you got with Bats was he would just kick anybody in training. Any with the youth team games, <laughs> he took that into his first team games. He was so horrible to be. You always wanted him on your team on a five-a-side. And Billy Brenda loved him because Billy was a manager at the time who would give him a debut. And he, he loved Bats because he, he saw David in him himself. Horrible little dirty little git. And, uh, <laughs> but a winner as well. So and and what I think and what happened with Bats as well was that he didn't get enough credit that he probably deserves, or he didn't express himself enough because you'd watch him in training and he could hit 50, 60 passes as good as anybody. But when it came on to Saturday, he would just do the simple things, kick somebody, get the ball back, and then give it 10, 15 yards to McAllister, Strack and Speed. But he had a lot more ability than he actually showed in even when he played for England and Blackburn and Newcastle. Um, but Speedo had everything, to be fair. He was left-footed. He had the poise, the, 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 um, the elegance of a six-footed, left-sided. 
and he was a good-looking man and all. So he had everything going in his favour. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like? You just mentioned touched on Billy Bremner there. What was uh, what was it like, sort of playing, you know, effectively under under the great man and being just being around being around those kind of characters? Yeah, look, it's it's different to these days that um, we had all jobs to do, and Billy would be the ones. Um, I was fortunate sometimes to do his offices. And, well, I say his offices, kit is where they got changed and had a bath afterwards. And you would just sometimes, you'd just be, take your time on these jobs because you'd be listening in him in full full swing of talking about the Revy days and, and his passion for the game and what it meant to play under Dom Revy and what it meant to play for Leeds United. And I always remember sort of playing in, training one five side game and, uh, and Billy's watching in his suit at the side of the pitch. And then within 10 minutes, he's joining in with his suit and his shoes still on. And it was like, still the best player on the pitch. <laughs> And he was, it, it was just this person that everybody knew. And I was fortunate, Eddie Gray signed me at 14, Billy at, gave me a debut at 17. So I'd sort of worked with some real icon and legends of Leeds United who held me in, um, well, set me up for, for my career really later on in life because listened to them, learned from them and, and loved being part of their company. Was he, was he still as rough with you lads as he was with the other players oh, on the pitch? Definitely. And when you, when you had Norman Hunter joining in as well, then you <laughs> definitely, Norman was on his staff for a small period of time and you needed both of them to be on your team. And, but it always somehow worked out that Billy had bats on his team and Norman. So imagine them three against you. <laughs> I'd love to watch you oh up my. against them three, Bex. Nah, I'm playing on the wing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, going nowhere near that. So what was the, the most thought-provoking moment you had working under these guys? Because as you mentioned, these are, these are icons of the game. What was the most memorable piece of information you picked up from them maybe not necessarily directly maybe something you overheard them saying as you mentioned you were you were listening in every now and then to to conversations they were having has anything really really resonated with you and stuck with you and and taken you on a, a that you you continue to bring along with you now I think it was just the love for the game and the passion that they all showed and they just loved training they loved playing and they just They'd have done it for nothing. Looking back, back in them days, they weren't earning much money anyway. So the more or less were doing it for yeah, nothing yeah. compared to lads who were earning absolute fortunes. And the but these the passion that they loved and they loved the football club as well. It they meant it meant so much to them. Um, so that was a they were a big part in sort of yeah. You you might have loved football when you were a teenager, when you're in schoolyard and playing it, but try and take that into your professional side as well because so many other people would want to swap places with you how many people want to be professional footballs and can't do it and and that's what I really took on board and that was then reinforced when Gordon Strachan came to the club I learned so much off Gordon because he was he lived and breathed football as in his preparation his, his diet part of it and Howard Wilkinson sort of he was a manager at the time with his discipline and organisation so that early stage is things that they can stand in good stead for the rest of your career. I mean, I want to talk about your playing career a little bit more uh, in a moment, um, but you just touched on something there that I, th I thought was interesting. Um, you know, uh, just how different the world of football was then to to now. And when you were playing, you were sort of in that era that was bridging the that was bridging that divide between you know the the sixties and seventies playing for peanuts to sort of in the, the the Premier League era of, of 90s when everyone's starting to get stupid money. You're not allowed um, to ask him how much he earned. You're not allowed to ask <laughs> no, him that. No, <laughs> no, but then- I, but I then, can see where since, this is going, Matty. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But you uh, you went, you became a coach in sort of, you know, in, in the Premier League era. What, 
was it very difficult for you to um, to coach some of these young players who um, were used to being paid a stupid amount of money and, and had far much much more power than they had back then? And it means after me. <laughs> yeah, definitely after best. Well, I, um, I, I think, certainly didn't, might not have loved the game as much as some of those those guys did back then. I think when I we started my uh, managing career at, uh, at Blackpool, it, it was a different level then. You, you're not going into sort of the Championship and the Premier League where we, we even as a manager at Blackpool, I had to wash my own kit and take it home. And that's what it was back in the days. And even when I was doing the reserves, I would have to go and pick up the kit and and put it in my car and take it to the ground that you're playing at. And it was basically get all hands on board and, and get and just deal with it. And it's, it's a proper way of growing up and understanding what it was all about. So I think at the moment, like you say, the comparisons are huge because players, even at eight-year-old now, are having everything done for them. They've got the best facilities. They've got the best coaches. They've got everything's in the place for them. But I also think that it's more than the footballer is missing out on that taking responsibility, learning from your mistakes, learning on your own at times, um, and, and really sort of the discipline side of it because, and the educational side because of it's, they're being told everything. You're not learning for yourself too often. Back then, we had right. to learn for ourselves and sink or swim. You, you would go into a first-team dressing room as an apprentice and you would get absolutely battered by players you would either stay in there for a little bit longer and give a little bit of shit back, or you would get out quicker than you went in and like go and hide in the corner. <laughs> I was somewhere in between, to be fair, because I was quite quiet back then, but I still stood my ground and made sure that I could uh, give a little bit back to some of the first team players. And that's that's a difference that is going off now, I think. But um, yeah, it's. I think I found as you go on a little bit higher up the, the ladder, and there's probably more so when I went to Sunderland, as a manager there that you're dealing with egos and people have got money that do fall out of love with the game and don't care as much as people who are not earning as much. Big comparisons probably was when I was at Preston, players were on as anywhere near as much as the lads at Sunderland, but they'd run through a brick wall for me and they would be desperate to earn a few more grand on the contracts here and there, whereas the lads in the Premier League have got relegated to the Championship and are taking a 50% cut and still on an absolute fortune. And... And that's then the desire and the hunger seems to disappear a little bit from them players. Is there a degree of um, sort of humbling uh, uh, tools that you have at your disposal? I know like it used to be, I don't know if they still do it, like boot boys when you used to clean the, the you know, your first team's boots and stuff like that. And, um, and you were saying that you used to clean out the offices and stuff. Is there stuff like that available to modern day to, uh, top tier coaches or, or are these young kids sort of protected and they don't do that like what about Bex was Bex cleaning boots oh no no he was certainly uh, he was just bringing my pasta every, after every dinner and he's running my bath at Ellen Road <laughs> and stuff like that <laughs> um, the big one <laughs> but no look it's, times have changed and and it's not you can't do it if for health and health and safety reasons and, and many other reasons that players are now certainly more protected we used to, we had court cases. We had everything when we were apprentices. Oh, they were brilliant, by the way. Yeah, well, not the ones oh. that we were involved with where you could get away with more than you could do. So, Give us an example of one. See, I'm not, see, I'm not giving you too much information, really, because I'm in the process of half debating about writing a book. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. But basically, one, one lad who was apprentice, he got found guilty of doing something and eventually got um, tied to a goalpost. DP all over his body 
with a hose pipe, oh. with a hose pipe ready to wheel him down, to obviously water him down. Oh no! A few weeks later, he got <laughs> he got told he was having another court case, and he's running down Gelded Road back to Huddersfield before anybody could catch him. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just clarify for some of our listeners that aren't aware of of, of this. Uh, uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, this uh, hazing ritual court case. Um, uh, court case. Um, I assume this is when the players don't like he's late for training or something, and then what are the rest of the team all get together and worst right, player decide on yeah yeah on yeah. what punishment See, the, the difference be. now between the players now and back then was that players only really have to sing a song when they've signed for a new club I know that is very that is hard for a lot of people and believe me I wouldn't want to be doing that and I've been in a fortunate position I've never done that because I'm the manager and you don't do that <laughs> <laughs> but it is different to being absolutely um, well Taken to tortured <laughs> by your fellow <laughs> apprentices. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Torture. It was a Have you had one backs? I've had one or two, mate. <laughs> but I've also been on the panel dishing out the, the sentences as well. So I've given a lot worse than I've got. Go on, give us give us your best one. Um the worst one I've had, uh I was playing for Leeds, I think Gary Kelly. Oh, it's got to have um, Kelly involved, hasn't it? Was was the was the jury. Mate, absolute nightmare. I, I thought we were friends. <laughs> so he said, um, like I was, I was maybe 15 seconds late for training, late to getting out to training. And um, got outside, everybody's on the pitch. They go, way, we got one, we got one. So everybody's cheering and chanting. And this is on like a, a Tuesday or something. A court case is on a Friday. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, damn, like I've got, I've got a few days here. Hopefully they'll forget about it or, you know, they'll take it easy on me. I'm still relatively new in the whole Leeds United thing. Um, so they'll, they'll look after me, mate. Wow. Soon as court got there, they said, right, you were 15 seconds late. Guilty or not guilty? Do you accept the plea? And I was like, well, no, hold on, hold on. Oh, granted, yes, 15 seconds. I, I didn't make it out onto the pitch in 15 seconds, but I was outside and on my way. So, and then they were like, well, were you or were you not on the football pitch late? And I was like, yes, <laughs> technically. And they said, right, guilty. So I'm thinking to myself, oh no, like they're, they're not letting this one go. They said, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll sort you out after the, after training. It'll be fine. So we, we went out, did our five sides and all that, played the game, scored goals, got battered by um, Paul Butler and Sean Gregan and all these animals. Like it was horrible. And then um, once training had finished, they said, right, get him and I was like get who realising oh sugar it's me they're getting so they grabbed me stripped me naked and said right you've got 30 seconds to run inside if you don't make it indoors by the time your 30 seconds is up we're just going to level you with the footballs <laughs> I had no clothes on I was thinking to myself this this, this isn't cool because there's a couple of players here that are very very quick like Eddie Lewis is pretty quick there were a couple of wingers that we had, a couple of um, players that were in reserves that were sharp as, and I was thinking to myself, right, well, it, it, like Gaffer, you've been to, you obviously know four parts. I was on the far pitch. I had to start on the far pitch by the uh, by the, the wall and they were, let's say about the halfway line. So I had to sprint past them and into the building. You never ran that far in pre-season, <laughs> never mind. Like, <laughs> no chance, mate. They, they got me, they got me strung me up to the goal and I, they just levered me with, with footballs left, right and centre. I got hit by about 30 different footballs, mate. It was painful. On bare skin as well. In it, it, When was it? It must have been, it was early in the year. It must have been about February time. Oh, nice cold later. Oh, it was cold, mate. Oof. So that was, that was fun. Yeah. 
Going to court? I wouldn't go to court again, mate. That was it. Done and dusted. I look forward to the book on it. Do do come back on and we'll plug that when, you, when you've written that. Yeah, I certainly will. <laughs> um, well, there we go. So that was, uh, that was uh, yeah, that, I, I think I am interested in that. I think we'll come back to that when we when we get back into your managerial career later on. Um, but yeah, you left Leeds and you went on to Leicester where you enjoyed a, a lot of success at Leicester, eh? Yeah. I was just, I was reading through uh, <laughs> through a few of the, your playing career and your uh, and your um, managerial. So you you won the league cup at Leicester, scoring yeah. in the semi final. Correct. And I saw you you scored in the FA Cup for Villa. We had twice, our, twice, twice. <laughs> we had our, we had our, we had our cup run, obviously with Old Trafford and Spurs. But then I'm also when you were at Blackpool, it was the 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 first fourth round in 17 years when you were at Blackpool. Are you are you a cup man, Simon? Do you enjoy the magic yes, of the he cup? Is. <laughs> well, I'm looking at yeah, I don't mind the odd cut run every now and again. Yeah, I've mean, been knocked out in early rounds as well, believe me. So it's not all uh, it's not the uh, it's not uh, all positive without a shadow of doubt. But uh, well, you're going to being a player and as a manager, you want to do as well as you can do. I think, especially when I went to Leicester, I'd gone from playing in the reserves to 15 games later playing in the Championship player final against Blackburn. Kenny Daglish's team and we, and we lost there and I was 22 we lost 1-0 to a dubious penalty the following year we went back to Wembley again for the final and lost I was not involved that game because that, that day being injured I couldn't get back into the squad of 13 so we had two years on the trot third year we went there again in the playoff final and fortunately we beat Derby who had the big spenders of Craig Short Tommy Johnson people like that and I was fortunate I was the captain of Leicester that day so I was the first Leicester captain to win a trophy at Wembley and so to suffer two disappointments was and for, and then to win the third time as a player is unbelievable for the supporters as well it was um, well it, it, it brought the heartbreak and, and the voodoo as such because uh, but then after that we, we still got to, we got relegated straight away back down to the championship from the from the Premier League to then Going back into the playoff final again the next season, Steve Claridge scored in injury time of extra time to beat Crystal Palace. So we got promoted to the Premier League. And then that following season, we, we won the League Cup and finished 10th. So as a, as a Leicester player, we had like five seasons of, of Wembley constantly. And it was just a remarkable thing to achieve as a player. But imagine being a supporter. The supporters now, you still see the lads and that. Obviously, Bex was at Leicester as well. And they still remember that period of 92 to 97 where Leicester were just constantly at Wembley and it was like a second home. Um, fortunately, we had some good times, but we had some disappointing times as well. I suppose it makes the good times a little bit sweeter, eh? If, you, uh, if, you've, if you've suffered defeat a couple of times, it's always nice to get that win in the end, eh? Yeah, definitely. Is it fair to say, where, where would you say you enjoyed your football the most? Would it be Leicester? Would you say it was Leicester? Yeah, definitely. Just for them reasons that you just spoke about there, the sort of um, the player finals, the League Cup final. Um, I had two Player of the Years as well, awards that I got in, the, in that period of time. So... It was all about leaving Leeds, which I left with a tear in my eye because it was my football club that I loved. Um, but I had to make sure, but I had to start my career and make sure that I started playing football and, and get some first team football. And um, and that's what happened. Fifteen games later, I'm playing in that playoff final to then playing over two hundred odd league games and, and played at Wembley the number of times, which obviously then resulted in me getting a move to Aston Villa. And and so you're in the top flight with Leicester and obviously with Villa. You must have played Leeds uh, a, fair, a few times. What was what was that like going to the club that you'd supported since a boy and probably would hope you'd played for 
Is that is that is that spur you on, or is that a, is it a, is it a bit a bittersweet moment? Um, I think any time that I've been involved against Leeds, everybody says, "Oh, you you don't want to win," but. Believe me, I've got my own career to think about as well as much as I'm passionate about the football club. As a player, I wanted to get three points and play well because it meant I was still in the team for the next game. And then as a manager, I wanted three points because it can get you up the table if you, uh, and, and just another, it's another victory as such. So people talk about sort of split loyalties. Believe me, I didn't have many split loyalties when I was playing against anybody that I was connected with um, because it was all about doing the right thing for myself and the club that, that were employing me. Um, but it's funny because you, you, I, can't, I couldn't remember till, till recently I was doing Leicester TV game. I think it was a Leeds game, actually. Well, it was good, actually. And they talked about the record Leeds and Leicester had against each other. And I, I thought that when I was at Leicester, we didn't win too many times against Leeds. <laughs> it might be, might be me just thinking that way and hoping that way, being a Leeds supporter <laughs> now. Um, and I could say that, but actually the Leicester record against Leeds at the time wasn't too bad. Is it, um, it's sort of hard to, to grab, as, as just a fan who's you know, not, not played the game, um, and I know people often say, you know, players at the end of the day, it's, it's a job. You know, you like football, of course. But it's a job at the end of the day, and it's it's actually the fans that get so much more into these rivalries than, than the players do. Um, when when you left the club like Leeds that you'd wanted to play for, and um, and, and you've you've gone on and you, you you know you're playing at the top at the top flight top level. Do you do you feel a sense of um, is it is it hard to still support the club, or do you feel like um, there's a sense of rejection, perhaps, or you like, oh, you know, that that's the club that I loved and they and they and they shunned me. So I, I is it hard to then go back to still loving them, or do you detach the two? Is it career and a fan, and they're two separate things? Yeah, it's like I touched on there. It's your career mode you're in then, aren't you? Really, don't get me wrong. Every time I'd finished the game, whoever I was playing, you look at all the results coming through, and you think and you're hoping. Leeds have won, you're looking at sort of how, how the club is going, what's happening on the pitch, off the pitch. You see the good times, the bad times, but really you're focusing on your career because as much as I wanted Leeds to do really well and I wanted to play for them, being the supporter wasn't paying my bills at the end of, right. <laughs> at the, end of the week. So it was all about me. But I'll forget about just the money. It was fulfilling an ambition of being a footballer and doing the best that I could to the best of my ability and look back whenever I retired from playing that I'd give it my best shot and I'd, and I'd achieve something which millions of people would love to have done. So with with that in mind, I mean, I still, I want to do, I do want to talk about Blackpool a little bit, um, but um, with that in mind, what was it like when when the Leeds job came in? I mean, you'd, you'd just signed a new deal at Blackpool not, not too long before, is that right? Um, and doing really well with Blackpool. Um but when the when the Leeds job came in, was 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 that a no brainer for you? Definitely. As soon as I got to know about the situation, it was like I need to, I want to get there. It was look, Blackpool were halfway in the Championship, Leeds were in League One, but it, and also obviously the affiliation it had with the football club. But it wasn't just that; it was the size of football club that Leeds United was. At you know what I mean? It was it not just the, the the sentiment and the attachment they had with it. It was about a career decision as well, because you're getting the chance to manage one of the biggest clubs outside the Premier League. Never, not just in the Championship, outside the Championship, outside the Premier League, because of the history, the tradition, the, the fanatical fan base, and it was basically right. I've, I want to test myself now. I've done well at Blackpool. I've earned, I've done 
a lot of the hard groundwork from like moving dog shit off of pitches to moving the goals to to doing the reserves and everything like that to then thinking right I've earned this chance to to go to Leeds and but it was there was no sentiment really I had to make sure that I had to make it work career-wise um to be successful that that move wasn't as straightforward as as it may have seemed though was it no leaving Blackpool <laughs> and going to to Leeds no look I went to Carl Oyston and um Asked him if I could go, and he says, "No, we're going to return your services." Spoke to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to Ken Bates, and it came about. To be fair, we were doing a signing session, and and Leeds had approached that morning. I knew that, and and Carl Oyston knew that, and we'd had a conversation about it. And then we're doing a signing session in the afternoon at, um, at Blackpool, and in one of the lounges, about half a dozen TVs, and all of a sudden it comes up on Sky. Leeds mech approach for, for Simon Grayson at Blackpool and I've got all these supporters looking at me as if to say what's happening are you going are you what's that in I've got, I've got players looking at me that? as well and it was like right I think I need to go somewhere pretty sharpish and have a conversation <laughs> and uh, long story it didn't quite um, he wouldn't agree to me go spoke to Ken Bates Ken Bates said look whatever comes off the back of it you resign and we will take pick up the pieces from the with the lawyers etc and um i went over the next day and signed and done and dusted and then the, there was a court case came on for a few more months after that and eventually got resolved on the on the footsteps of the uh, efl building all right nice. <laughs> and so you took over from gary McAllister. i remember that because when you came in i was thinking to myself oh this will be interesting a Leeds boy taking over the boss of one of the biggest football clubs, as you mentioned, in, in the whole of the UK. But it, it's the, the club, uh, it's gigantic. It is flipping humongous. So that must have been, as you, you briefly touched on before, a dream come true to to be able to manage that club that you supported as a kid and and had grown up around the corner from. Um and to to have an unbelievable strike force that you were working with also. Uh, let me just say. <laughs> Luciano was the Oh player, yeah, Becchio was the man, right? Was funny. <laughs> so um, did you ever, with all that, you know, talking about all that, with the, the sides of the club and obviously being in League One and, and so many managers had, had come and gone and tried to, to fix this decline, um, did, did, was there any element of the danger of the, the poison chalice to it? That it seemed too good to be true, or did you did you think no, I can I can do this? I think you go to any club and you trust your ability that you can go and do the best of your ability, and hopefully it's always going to work out. I left other jobs in the in the last few years thinking I could do exactly the same thing. Some have worked out, some haven't, uh, and that's just what's part and parcel of football. But um, I just felt that it was too big an opportunity to turn down that. Somewhere down the line, you've got to trust your ability. You've got to make sure you've got to test yourself and think, yeah, well, I'm going to be the one that is going to stop the rot of a football club and get it to where it deserves to be. And, and that was my intention. And it was going to, look, I had a mantra of when I played and managing early on that I wanted to, I'd work hard, leave no stone unturned to a certain degree and give everything and have no regrets. And, and that was certainly something that I thought when I went through the door at Ellen Road, I'm going to give everything to be successful here because it's what I want to do. And uh, there's no greater club to manage when you've played for the club and, man and supported the club. To, to walk down that tunnel on your first game is like so surreal because at 22 when I left, I said to me many times, we left with a tear in my eye when I went to Leicester. I never thought I'd be coming back as a manager, that was for sure. 
I mean, it's a, it's a it's a big it's a big deal and a big gamble to drop down a division to manage when you know. I mean, normally it's coaches get fired and they have to go down a division, but they wanted to keep you, which must have been a nice feeling anyway. Um, you were doing really well, and then you chose to drop down a division and and, and manage Leeds. And Bex and I have talked ad nauseum over the last few weeks about the size of this club and, and that it's back where it belongs now. Did you find when you were in League One that actually, despite the money and all the issues of being well, you know, down in the third tier, the brand of Leeds, you could bring players in for that reason, that it just, it, it meant something more than the, the the league position? Oh, definitely. Look, you only had to go to the training ground and you saw Thorpe Arch, took a player there, you could sign him straight away. The attraction of it all that it was Leeds United in League One, um, with a fanatical fan base. But you still had to be a certain player to play for Leeds because there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectancy levels on players and, and managers as well. So you have to have a certain bit about you to be able to, to handle situations because they don't always go well every day when you're a Leeds United player or a Leeds United manager, that's for sure. And um, and you had to get, I had to make sure you get the right players that to, could handle that. But again, it was too good. It was a challenge. I love a challenge. Um, that's why I've managed Bex as many times as I have. How many have we got yeah, three we've, times? Yeah, we've done all right, to be fair. But, uh, <laughs> we've done all right. But it was, it was a challenge. And the biggest thing that you knew was that Leeds was a massive opportunity for other teams to come and try and beat you you knew we knew every game we went to that it's going to be a full house away from home teams coming to Ellen Road going to love playing in front of 20,000 I'd go and watch games the week before say for example go to I don't know, say go to Walsall and there's one man and a dog there there's no atmosphere all of a sudden we go there and it's a full house it's bouncing the stadium and players lift the game. And that was the biggest thing that players had to deal with and we had to deal with in, in League One and the Championship as well. And it's probably no different a little bit now that Leeds is such a big football club in the Premier League that people bounce off Leeds United regardless of what division that they're in. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fair point. And I think, um, again, we've, we've touched on this, we've talked about a, a, a few players that have come and gone at, at Leeds and, and the pressure of the cop and, and just, you know, Leeds fans in general, and, and on a coach as well. And then you, you add to that that it's everyone else's cup final. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's a, it's a tough, tough place to, to go and play at, but it's a tough, tough place to go and play for, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I know that I don't have what it takes. Obviously, you two <laughs> Gaffer, what did you find the biggest obstacle while you were while you were managing Leeds United? And not not just Leeds United, what was your most difficult period in football? And where, where would you say you've learned the most? Um, look, the most difficult period I had was probably at Sunderland because I only had three months there to, to turn around what was a real... Difficult, real difficult shit relegation and players not wanting to be there. So that was a, but I learned a lot about myself. I know that if I'd stayed there, I'd have kept them up, but the remit at Sunderland was not to stay in the championship that season. It was to be at least around the playoffs. And I get why I got sat, but I still thought I would be able to do, keep them up and, and do a good job. Um, so that was, that was a, probably the hardest part. And, um, but you learn about yourself from every day that you're in training that you're working with people, you've got to understand who, how to manage people, as you probably know that and understand now in business, it's people are working with, uh, side of you, below you, above you, 
you've got to make sure that you get the best out of the people and and work as closely as you can with everybody because if everybody is off the same page you've got one hell of a chance of being successful rather than people who were um swimming in different directions and such do you know what your problem was at sunderland your, you your legs me. had gone uh, by then don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> he, he reckons he can play for Bielsa this one hey has he seen how much work Patrick Bamford does hey impact sub oh right you didn't say that right okay last, last five minutes again get the glory last five, last, last four <laughs> um, speaking about um, trying to manage people below as well as above you what was it like uh, working under Ken Bates, truthfully. Right, nice to be do the business anyway. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the podcast, really enjoyed that. I don't <laughs> Take care, guys. <laughs> Look, I'd, I'd learned a little bit by dealing with Carl Oyster at Blackville, so I, I thought I've understood a little bit of things. Um, but it is, it's, you, you've just got to work out people as quickly as you can. And, and people, mm. people who are not involved with people um, on a daily basis and not actually being paid by them can go and say what they want. But when you're actually their employee, you've got to be very different. You've got to be very careful in how yeah. you work with people. And, but, but I will ne- I can never fault Ken Bates to a certain degree because he gave me my opportunity to manage mm. and, and fulfill a dream of, of being a Leeds United manager. Yes. Of course, I'd loved a little bit more money to spend at certain stages of seasons to try and get us promoted. But he gave me that opportunity. I don't, like I said, I don't agree with some of the things that he, he didn't do for me. I don't didn't agree with when he sacked me when we're still close to the playoffs. Um, but life's too short to have any regrets. And that's sort of a philosophy that I've had and, and always will do. But ultimately, um, he, he, he gave me my dream dream job yeah and you weren't even you were you were still quite young as well what, uh, yeah, yeah I was 40 39 40 yeah yeah 38 39 something like that yeah, 30, yeah. And all of a sudden working with Amazing. you makes you very old <laughs> <laughs> which time was that the first second uh, third, I think more the third time in started to go I've been working with him for three months I know exactly what you mean um, so you were, you were, you because you moved straight into management from Blackpool you played at Blackpool straight into caretaking uh, into, into was it youth the youth coach to uh, reserve with, team manager reserve, reserve oh. team manager and then you went basically straight up after the manager got got sacked um, was that a bit of a, a fast track were you, were you were you expecting that or does that sort of come out of the blue a little bit no it, was, it come out of the blue a little bit look I was playing in the first team and, and taking the reserves and I remember playing at Bournemouth away one night and not getting back home till four o'clock or something like that and then I have to be at Rochdale at midday to take the reserves and I'm like wow this is it I've just been wow. to Bournemouth, played 90 minutes there. Um, <laughs> but it was what you had to do. You had to do the groundwork for it all. And um, I thought my next process of being a coach would be to be a first-team coach assistant manager. So I went to Colin Hendry at the time um, to tell him I'd got this opportunity to go somewhere. And he says, yeah, that's fine. Went to Carl Oyston and told him exactly what I was thinking. I'm time to pack in, but I want to do one. Can I go to uh, this next job? He said no. And to my amazement, I was like really surprised. 
because then he said, well, I'm sacking Colin Hendry, the manager, and you're oh, taking shit. over on a caretaker. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so when they, going back to your wow. original like question, I was pretty fast-tracked into the manager's role. <laughs> yeah, not half. Did, did, did you tell him? Did you tell, did you tell Colin Hendry, uh, okay. by the way, I just had a word with the owner. <laughs> I'm taking over in the morning. <laughs> I didn't go near Colin for a few days. That's for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> oh God, you shouldn't laugh, should you? But bloody hell, that is a good story. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there you are, doing very oh, well. Oh, and you've, yeah, and so then... I sort of fast tracked into it, and then it was basically being the manager. Then it was it wasn't an easy transition because I was then being in a dressing room with some lads who were my mates, to then dropping them, to then picking um, picking somebody above them, to then the end of the season releasing players um, who I got changed with for two three years. But ultimately, my viewpoint was. If I want to be a manager, I'm going to sink or swim and I've got to be ruthless and I'm going to make some real tough decisions and I've got to think about myself rather than any sentiment in, that could have gone my way. You know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm quite a sentiment person in, 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 in football as well as life, but it was either me or them and I wanted to succeed. Do you know what? I reckon that's, that's probably the best way for you to have been able to cut your teeth in the, uh, anyway because if, you, if you'd gone to a, a new team where you don't know anybody... You're not gonna. You're still gonna make difficult decisions by dropping certain players or bringing other players in, example. But to to be able to to do it to people that, like you mentioned, you respected, you've you've um, shared some amazing moments and experiences with one moment, and then to the next, to be able to say to them, "Listen, I'm. You, you just don't. You're not cutting it right now. I'm gonna have to drop you." I think that that must have molded you in a certain way. Anyway, like I've I've been on the receiving end of one or two uh, bollockings, you know, <laughs> but it's it, the way you do it is not in a, a it's not a personal attack. It's never been a personal attack, and I think it's because of the way you started out, why you were able to to approach and deal with certain players and different personalities and egos, the way that you have, and to have been as successful as you have. Yeah, exactly. You've got to sort of. But you've got to have a ruthlessness about you. You've got to have a sternness about mm. you. But obviously, you've got to have some sort of um, compassionate side to you as well and, and deal with people as human beings. I also realised mm. I was in a dressing room that had been slotting a previous manager. So I thought, I'm going to get rid of you lot before you slot me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I suppose dropping your mates, once you've done that, dropping Bex is easy. Yeah, so that's yeah. all right. Sets you up. Piece of cake, mate. Right. Um, <laughs> he made it easy sometimes, by the way. <laughs> oh no I bet he did <laughs> so let's let's go to that then you're at Leeds um, in League One had a terrible terrible run right when you came in to, to take over and then um, I mean it went pretty well didn't it it went pretty well yeah well we picked, we started off well to get the first my first result boxing day against Leicester who were top of the oh, division of course yeah how was that uh, actually we, we, going to, we to got- play Leicester uh, yeah, well, it was Ellen Road, so walking down the tunnel to marching on together and, and the Kaiser Chiefs uh, and predict a riot was just an unbelievable experience that you'll never, you could never ever thought that would happen. Um, and we were playing them again, your ex-club, but it was about doing what I wanted to do as, as a manager, yeah. as we spoke about, and get results. And then uh, Snodgrass scored the equaliser and um, at least it's, yeah, at least it stopped the rot of the few bad results that had happened. And I think we went to Stockport in the next game and, and beat them. And, and then we just gradually sort of got the confidence back into the players and their belief came back. And, and we're just taking small steps where we then really 
made the big steps, didn't we? We got to the playoff semi-final in the end, mm-hmm. um, which again we we certainly could have won. Um, but it was all about building and restoring the faith in the players again and their ability and, and the and the trust again for the supporters. It was not easy for Gary, and Gary's a good friend of mine, and it's 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 never easy to replace somebody that you know. But it was all about doing what was best for the club and getting that reconnection again between supporters and and uh, the football club and the city again. Well, I mean, a, a good way to do that uh, is is going to Old Trafford and um, beating them, isn't it? Let's before we get onto the promotion. Let's talk about that that cup run. Um, we were obviously doing very well in the league anyway. Um, I think didn't we win like seven in a row that season to, to start off the season? Yeah. Um, and then um, you, we get drawn at Old Trafford, January third was it or whatever it was? Don't pretend that you haven't got it tattooed <laughs> on your body. Just down here, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So there we go. You've been drawn at, at Old Trafford. Obviously, every Leeds fan in the world is is salivating at the prospect of it. They're flying high in the Premier League. Did you think that you could go and you could do them? Yeah, we had a genuine belief that we could go and beat them. That, that, oh yeah, because of the Premier League champions at the time, we were League One, and we'd only just scraped through against Kettering, drawn there, and then the right, draw got course. made after that, the draw got made after that game, and it was Old Trafford, Man United away. But we had to put Tetten back to Ellen Road, and we 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 took they took us to extra time again at Ellen Road, so we just scraped through, didn't we, into that game. Um, but then it was all about the rivalry, the build-up to it all, and it was it was bringing the profile back of Leeds United again, wasn't it? Sort of the rivalry. Um, it was obviously going to be on telly, but we did have a genuine belief that we could go there. And full respect to Manchester United and Sir Alex that he put out a real strong team because he didn't want to be beat by anybody, but he certainly didn't want to be beat by one of his biggest rivals in a League One club. Um, well. Unlucky we did. <laughs> <laughs> did did everyone in the dressing room, Bex? Did they, obviously I imagine you did, Simon, of course. But did everyone in the dressing room understand the the cultural significance of of going to Old Trafford? I imagine obviously you had Kells and a few a few other people that were in and around that had been at Leeds for a while. But did did some of the newer lads understand what it meant to Leeds fans to go? Do you to- know what? The majority of the boys there didn't really understand the the rivalry between the two clubs but they understood the magnitude of the game that we were playing because being we're playing a premier league team the premier league right yeah the premier league champions um they're looking at Alex Ferguson they're looking at all the players that he had in the Manchester United squad at the time individually unbelievable players and look, look I mentioned it before they just come off the back of winning the premier league title so everybody wants to do well against the the better sides, you know, the sides that are doing really well and the the really well-known clubs. So in in that aspect, everybody knew about um, the magnitude of the game, but only a, a select few, um, Johnny House and myself, because I, I, I did a little bit of research into it, kept on getting stopped in Leeds City Centre and, and reminded not to lose the game. When you get a chance, you better score. Otherwise, you better not come back to Ellen Road. <laughs> that sort of thing, you know, friendly banter. <laughs> but I, I think the one person that it really sort of would have transmitted that message across in the dressing room was was well was probably Richard Naylor because Nails oh Nails yeah. Nails was Nails was a Leeds fan hard as nails <laughs> yeah not a pun but he when somebody said when he said something in that dressing room players took notice of it didn't you one hundred percent and the reason why the very first time I saw him I don't know if I told you this I might have said this on one of the previous um, pods. The very first time I saw him, I encountered him 
he just signed a contract with us. He just signed with us. And I've gone in the gym to to go and do like a, a warm up or something um, or beach weights. I'm not sure. One of the two <laughs> must have been closing in on summertime. And I walked into the gym and he's got this this like this headband on and the headband is connected. It's got a wire connecting the headband to the weights machine. And he's he's lifting up like 60 kilos just on his neck. And I'm looking and I'm just seeing this animal in there. And he's just going like this. He's going his chin is down on his chest and he's lifting it up as hard as he can and tilting his head all the way back. And he's just like, he's just like this. He just looks like flipping a baddie from a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or something ridiculous. That was the first time I encountered him. I've never spoken to him prior to that. And I just looked and thought, oh my gosh, this guy is a monster. So anything he says, I'm agreeing with. You'd rather I'm in your team than against <laughs> you, wouldn't you? Because he would uh, run through a brick wall for you, wouldn't he? Yep. So I appreciate every time that you put him on the opposite side to myself. It's, it's character building. <laughs> Cheers, yeah, I was, chuffing, I was chuffing you up, wasn't I? So you had a... You had a, a- a couple of players that sort of uh, appreciated it. Did you did you try and instill any of that, Simon, into them? Did you did you try and make them uh, understand what it meant to Leeds fans, or did you think that was too much pressure that they didn't already? Yeah, I, I sort of probably tried to take it down a notch. To be fair, because right. the players had seen the build up on the telly in the paper, in the in, in the yeah in the newspapers, um, everywhere the everywhere they went, people were talking about it. It wasn't just another game. Everybody was focused on this game and. 9,000 Leeds fans going over that particular day as well. So I was sort of just playing it down a little bit more, but yeah. saying, look, we, we've got the confidence and the belief. And the, I think the one thing that I did say to the players was that there hasn't been a shock of the round, of round three yet. So why can't it go and be us? And, and that's what I sort of reiterated to players morning of the meet and the meeting of the morning. And then when we got to the ground, and probably the last thing I said to the players was that, and have no regrets when you come off that pitch as well. Whether we won, lost or draw, it was always a sort of saying that I've always had with players, make sure you look at yourself in the mirror the next day and you, you can say, I give everything, whether I've won, lost or drawn, and then you can move on to the next game after that. So, uh, yeah, I don't think too many players have got too many regrets on how that day went. No. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the goal because I can't listen to him again, but let's just go straight to full-time. What, do you, do what, you not want to hear it from the, no, gaffer's, the gaffer's perspective? I want to hear about, He's on the touch I want to hear about full time. When, when, yeah, right, let I'll, me tell you, right? Let me tell you, it was a crap touch, which made up the mind of two. No, it was not. For you, it wasn't a bad touch. Anybody else? That's why I say always put it in the channel. Yeah. Put it in front of me. Hey, what a ball, second, though, eh? I was just going to say it was a great ball from Johnny Allison Unreal. to start with. And oh, then no. it, it, Jermaine obviously mm. pulled off the shoulder. Gary Neville was out of position. I like to see Gary Neville doing his little mannequin yeah. movements or whatever now on his, on his screen on the Monday Night Football. Um, but then obviously his poor touch dragged Cusack out and it was the slowest, because I was right behind it and I'm thinking, that, I hope that's got enough weight on it. If he hasn't, he's coming off sat next to me now. <laughs> it must, it, First off. <laughs> it must have been silent after, after it went past the keeper and it's going, and it must have felt like it took forever to go over across the line because I remember watching it. Was it just silent in the stadium? Pretty much apart from the 9,000 fans in the far corner blowing it over the line, but all yeah. the rest of the team as well. <laughs> and he obviously, fantastic for everybody connected with the club and then, the sense of reality came in. Have we scored too early? We've got another yeah, like, right. 70 odd minutes yet. <laughs> God, <laughs> I. <laughs> so, uh, even as the game went on, we played well. We had a couple of chances. Snodgrass hit the bar. They didn't, 
they didn't cause us too many problems and then they've got everybody on gigs, Berbatov, Rooney, everybody's on. And then the, then the fourth official puts the board up and I'm thinking, this is going to have 10 minutes minimum on here because Sir Alex has got yeah. into the fourth <laughs> official. And you still thought they've got something still in them, but it's full credit to the players. They dug deep, they put the bodies on the line and it was just... Um, Obviously, a fantastic feeling for everybody when uh, the final whistle went. What were you feeling like, Bex, when he starts bringing Rooney and them on? What were you thinking? Do you think bring it on? I was laughing, mate. I was laughing. I was thinking, look, he's crumbling over there. <laughs> <laughs> he's crumbling. He's got. He, he knows he's not. He's not beating us. He knows he can't out out think and out tactic our our, our gaffer and our our coaching staff. There's no way. Like we've we've. We pulled one over on them. We done one over on them. So I'm I'm looking at these superstars at the time coming off the bench, and you could just see the frustration in Silas's face, and he's thinking. <laughs> you could see what he's thinking. Like he didn't hide his emotion at all, did he? Like everything he was doing on the touchlines, you could you you were just looking at him thinking he's under pressure to win this game here. He, he's desperate not to come away with a loss. And and how, I mean, we'll talk about the actual full-time feeling, but just before, what, what was he like at full-time? Was he gracious? Yeah, no, he was. He was very good in terms of we're in his room afterwards. He, he shook hands and said um, at the pitch, well done, you deserve that. And then he reiterated it after we'd both gone off and done our press. And I remember going sort of down the tunnel still and to go to where the radio units are and still the 9,000 Leeds fans are in there and it was just an incredible I think Eddie Gray was interviewing me for uh, Radio Leeds and it was like wow this is still a great feeling singing in the corner out the way and then we just went back to his office and he was he was he was very good he was sort of saying you deserved it your players worked extremely hard and and sort of said to me um You've, made, you've got to make sure you get promotion because I've backed you to get promotion at the start of the season. So I had no pressure there then. Eh? <laughs> so, but he was. He, oh, everything he said was probably through gritted teeth because he, yeah. he, he hated yeah. losing to anybody, not just towards to Leeds United. It was anybody. Um, but he was very gracious in, in what he was saying. Do you know what? I was A lot of the boys, after the game had finished, obviously, you just played against... Manchester United, the Premier League champions, etc., etc. A lot of the boys wanted some sort of memento from the players after the game. So as we're walking in the tunnel, like a couple of the boys are asking Rooney and Giggs and those guys for for shirts for family members, etc. And they said, "Yeah, no problem. Pop it off. We'll do it in the tunnel. No, no problem at all." We got in the tunnel, and so Alex is there, and he's like, "Get in there! Get in there! Do not swap any shirts!" And like all of us just looked at each other and were like, "Oh." I wouldn't like to be you boys right now. <laughs> Good luck training tomorrow. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a man who knows what it meant. Um, so full time, whistle's gone. You've you've just beaten Premier League champions Manchester United at Old Trafford, which in and of itself is a huge deal. Um, did did you did the players and I guess even yourself did you appreciate what the, coming back to Leeds? The magnitude. Yeah, coming back to Leeds. That wasn't just going to be, oh yeah, we beat a Premier League team, great. That was still going to be talked about right now, 10 years later. And we're just talking about like yeah. what a moment that was. Yeah, I think I think when something happens in your life that is really significant, it probably takes a period of time, whether it's hours or maybe days, to really sink in. You, you probably realise that with stuff that you've done yourself, that, wow, have I actually just gone and done that? Um, and, it, and And that's... 
I think that's what the feeling was the next morning when um, I think I might have given the players the Monday off, to be fair, and let them have a, a yeah, day we were after. lucky, one day off. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it was probably till we went back in on the Tuesday then that everybody then sort of in the dressing room going, wow, what, if, what have we done here? Even the coaching staff we've gone, we've probably gone in on the, I've probably spoke to Snods and everybody on the Monday morning and gone, wow, have we actually just beat Man United at Old Trafford? <laughs> and you're just waiting, you're just that significant period where it actually sinks in of uh, what you've achieved. I um, went uh, home and away in the next round um, against Spurs with uh, an old colleague of mine, uh, Rupert Grint, who's a, a Spurs fan. And um, God, we almost we almost did them as well, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, he obviously your co-presenter here did well again in that particular yeah. game. He liked the he liked the uh, he liked the cup competition. Like, I'll tell you what I liked. I liked the freedom to express myself on the football field. The, big the freedom that was given to me. Hang on, <laughs> I didn't see that Hereford. I saw it at Old Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> Old Trafford and White Hart Lane. Hereford <laughs> yeah. away on a Tuesday night. I didn't see that, mate. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, Gaffer. I might have the day off. Well, <laughs> that's kind of because because uh, that little cup run sort of everyone thought that threatened to then derail our season a little bit, didn't it? And and did yeah. you feel like there was a degree of there was a degree of invincibility that you all felt when you were playing against Premier League opposition where there was nothing to lose? Um, whereas in in the in League One, it tended to be a bit more. Uh, did you get a bit more skittish, and it did look did it look a bit more? I d- yeah, I don't think it was done deliberately. Or, uh, the mindset was that we've <laughs> we're going to actually walk the division. Look, when we beat Man United, we were top with Norwich and by quite a few points. And then you don't realise probably until when people are talking about it. When I was growing up as a player, in early stages of managing career that. People are saying when they've played the big games in Europe and stuff like that, then you go back to sort of another normal game, for a better phrase, that it's hard to get pick it up again and the adrenaline. And I think we might have played Wickham or Exeter in the next couple of games. And I don't think we beat either of them. I think we drew one and lost the other one. And it was it was hard for, for the players mentally. But we, well, you had to pick it up because the bigger picture was that we had to get promoted. So... The cup was nice. Was it a distraction? Probably that didn't help us a little bit because we could have made it a lot easier to get promoted. <laughs> but being, being doing it in the Leeds United way isn't done the simple way, is it? So no. it was probably written in the stars that we'd have a good cup run and then take it down to the wire the last game of the season. Well, do you know, it's, I find it so interesting because uh, the amount of times a team will come to, particularly in the Championship, uh, I don't know so much about Premier League, we'll, we'll see, but in the Championship, teams would come to Ellen Road and they'd, they'd nick a win playing out their skin and then you'd see them get hammered for the next four weeks and, and I can appreciate yeah. the idea of going to play a, a huge game and all that adrenaline it's very difficult then to get up for Wickham away or whatever it may be yeah and it's not done deliberately from anybody no. I think that we had a real good group that had a real good attitude and tried in every game it was just sort of maybe the juices weren't flowing like they were when you're at Old Trafford and that edge isn't there and non-reverse as you mentioned there that the opposition were doing exactly what we did at Old Trafford and they were desperate to beat us at Ellen Road because it was their cup final that we're playing at grounds that where lads were playing in front of two three thousand all of a sudden there's eight thousand there and the place is rocking and that can give extra impetus and um, for, for the for the opposition against us and that's why we were a bit the big fish in the small pond 
that it was always a big game for for the opposition, regardless of who and when we were playing. And do you do you find I'm interested from a from a coach's perspective? I'm sorry, I'm just asking all like these fan questions that I've wanted to ask, um, but like you know, people for, for 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 some reason for the last we've we've got this uh, this reputation as being bottlers, um, and uh, do you find that Ellen Road being the sort of the the cauldron that it is? It's fine to go and play a, a team two divisions above you because there's nothing to lose. But when you're playing, when when you, you you're expected to get promoted, and you're already in the top two and you're doing so well, the nerves of the fans can sometimes bleed through to the players, and 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 you find that the people start to get suddenly the games that you should be winning, but because you should be winning them, you start to get a bit nervy. With did you notice that at all? Yeah, look, I, I've look back over a course of Leeds United history and when I was there in the 90s and 80s it was the same thing as well Howard Wilkinson when we got promoted from um, the championship to the to Premier League as it is now nearly no sorry the year before the season two seasons before was nearly blew it as well and then the following year went down so that won at Bournemouth eventually to get promoted and then two years later the same thing happened that um, nearly blew it as well, um, but it is that expectancy level and the nervousness and the tension. It's not just late; it's what comes with and the territory of of big football clubs. I think it happens of, even in the Premier League now. You see some players not able to handle it, and I think on the reverse on the reverse of that, when you look at what happened against Derby the year before, I think that did play a part. And that's why I think the supporters not being in the ground this year helped Leeds <laughs> get promoted because I looked at the games when they were playing Barnsley and got battered by Barnsley but won the yeah. game 1-0. I would put my last dollar on it that Leeds would have probably lost that if the fans had been in there. Because, but, and that's With not being disrespectful to the supporters because everybody's passionate and, and there's expectancy mm. level. But that tension can creep into players, and some can't handle it. I remember that from when, from being in a cop myself, when when you just know that it's not going right, and 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 the fans start to get antsy and stressed, and that I just I just I'm when there's forty thousand of you all feeling that way, I'm like, there's no way that that negativity can't be just slowly flowing onto the field. Yeah, but on the reverse of that, when it's going, when you need the supporters and the get behind you and the positivity, how many goals did we score late on in? in League One yeah. and in the Championship to win games because it was all like, wow, this this adrenaline that's going through the whole ground, that everybody's on side and it was sort of, the opposition then absolutely shit himself for a better phrase, yeah. that they couldn't handle this this aura of, of Ellen Road. Well, as a great example, going 1-0 down, Bristol Rovers, in you know in this must-win game that we've got, but then when the equaliser came, Ellen Road just became... It was. I can't. I would have hated to have been a Bristol Rovers player in in that environment. Go when it went to one all because you just must have known you were going to win. Well, it's, I've said this in many interviews that it was like we were playing with 12, 14 players, and they got three sent off. And right. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, players that were playing composed football, a goalkeeper that's catching everything, that making save after save, all of a sudden caught one. Threw it straight to Bradley Johnson, who obviously missed it a shot that somebody managed to get a, a fingernail on and, and put it into the back of the net. But that that was what Ellen Road created for the opposition players as well. That was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's what the Ellen Road oh, faithful did to to players, to opposition players as yeah. well. And and it, that that atmosphere when Johnny Alton shot at the back of the net was yeah. an unbelievable experience and noise. Um, but ultimately, when the winner went in, it was uh, <laughs> I think the decibels went even more. Oh, it was. It was crazy. Oh, it was amazing. Absolutely wild day. But he didn't need to throw it out when he threw it out, did he? But that's what I'm saying. The goalkeeper. That's what I'm saying. But I think was... that's the pressure of Ellen Road, isn't it? Yeah, he was doing mm. sen- he was doing everything correctly. Their, their players were composed. He caught it and thought that he had to suddenly throw it out because they needed to win. Well, they had nothing right him on it. It's an amazing what sort of uh, nervousness and tension can do to the brain. And what about what about their uh, their left back gaffer? it's funny because again i'm saying this stories before but i saw a clip of it the other day i don't know where i saw it on and how i come across it but i'm literally walking from our dugout to cross with him and he'd obviously been involved in that incident with max and, and look he hadn't done much wrong he might have just rolled around a little bit more than he should have done but max was bang out of order what he did and we all know that but I just, I don't know how it came into my mind or it just came out and I just said to him, look, walking down the tunnel, you do realise that if we lose this game, 38,000 full stadium, that you're going to be playing left back in the, the northeast corner. So all the best <laughs> getting off the pitch. And then all of a sudden, we two or not with 30 seconds to go, you're playing right wing next to the dugouts. <laughs> the whistle went and he went down the tunnel He's before off. the whistle. I think he was on the bus before the, our players had got off the actual uh, off the pitch. So whether it's oh, mind boy. games or not, but it was it was just something that came into mind and it came out wow. and uh, played a part. Wow. I mean, Bristol Rovers, no disrespect to them, but that a, a, an environment like that can't be something that many of them were used to. No, look at that thing. We played there in the year, in early in the year and beat them four one or four nil I think and they're playing in front of five eight thousand or whatever thirty eight thousand at Ellen Road yeah it must it, it can either inspire or it can break it well it inspired them for fifty minutes and then it broke <laughs> them for the remainder of the game but it did to go one nil up against us and play like they played it inspired them but then it changed and it, it sort of um, caused them problems and just just to rewind slightly um so yeah one nil down max has been sent off what went through your mind simon at that point did you think playoffs again or did you think no no not again we're doing this my first thought was how come jermaine is trying to get him off here he's normally like swinging punches and throwing <laughs> and giving burgers yeah. behind him but, but he, had he became a captain didn't he, didn't he? became yeah, a captain well, that day i was El trying to lead my example guys yeah well you certainly <laughs> did um but, but as soon as we announced to 10 men i sort of had a, uh, I, all sorts going through my mind um gets into half time and then talking to my staff that we we had a plan a and plan b and um that if we're still chasing the game X amount of time, we could still go to this system, to this personnel. And we did that for every game, to be fair. It was not just the last game of the season. We just, we don't just, we've not made a career of just winging decisions. We've actually think and process things and thought about them. <laughs> um, and it was one of them that came in the dressing room down and, and everything we must have said to him went in one ear and out the other ones because everything, we're one nil down after five minutes going into the second half. So, um, and, and then it was basically, right, I've thought about what I need to do. We made a couple of substitutions. We went 3-4-2. 
and took and brought on influential players and, and got the goal very quickly and obviously dominated from then on. Was was winning that game and promotion your your greatest moment at Leeds, or would you would you say Old Trafford or something else? Uh, I would say the the Bristol Rovers game. Very difficult to compare the two, um, but when you. We, I was always going to be judged over the four-shot league games and getting the club promoted. It was always the icing on the cake to get a good cut run and beating Manchester United. Um, unfortunately, we managed to achieve this, both of them in the same year, which was a was great thing to do. But I was always going to be judged on getting the team back into the championship. Who knows what? If we'd not got promoted and gone into the play, if we'd gone into the playoffs and not got promoted that year. The owner, might have, Ken Bates, might have decided to, to change manager and, and that was me done by. So it was really, that was a result. And I think when you look at the highlights of, of, uh, of the game, you just see the emotion from everybody. And my biggest emotion, and a lot of people, was just one of relief. Yes, of course it was celebrating, but it was a relief that, wow, we've actually just gone through the mill here and we've got to where we want to get to for next season. That was the biggest thing that, we can celebrate later on, but the relief on people, grown men kissing the turf as if to say, like, this is the hallowed turf where it's all happened. And it, like, it's a mem- memories that you can never take away from people and, and you'll never forget. We'll still be talking about this in 10, 15, 20, 30 years about how, how it was the start of the team getting back to the Premier League eventually. Incredible. Mm. Incredible. Um, and it only seems like yesterday as well. 10 years, isn't it? Over. It's yeah, like it only seems like yesterday. Yeah, I can remember it really, really, really vividly. Actually, um, I remember the, uh, Andy Hughes up on up on shoulders to um, yeah. South Stand, just going, "Yeah, great." I, I still remember seeing the the kid in the in the there was a kid on the pitch and he was chasing after possibly Johnny Housen, and a guy pushed him out of the way and tried to grab Johnny's armband, grab grab the the captain's armband off his arm. And Johnny Harson, you know what Johnny's like. He's the nicest guy. <laughs> He's the nicest kid ever. And he turned around and he was like, get off, it's mine. <laughs> and I, that, was, that was like one of the key moments for me to, the, <laughs> during that, that celebration, mate. Johnny did well to get it off you, didn't he? I thought that was glued on. I don't think that was coming <laughs> off you at all that day. <laughs> to be fair, I let him have it, but like it was a bit baggy on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the biggest relief in a, in a way as well that day was that we had the play of the year do that night. And I'm thinking, God, <laughs> we could, this could be the worst decision to have the play of the, play of the year do if it goes wrong. And ultimately it, it didn't, but it could have been because we'd been to a do a few weeks before. We'd just been beat by Swindon 3 0 at home. And there was a lot of angry supporters in there at the time and um, we, we got a little bit of stick <laughs> and we didn't want that Just to happen again. <laughs> Do you know, uh, Jamie Peacock, uh, you play for Rhinos, he told me a story yeah. about when he, when he played in um, Challenge Cup final at Wembley for Bradford Bulls and they got beat and um, and they got back to Bradford on the coach and they went back to the dinner with family and that and no one had told the DJ they got beat so they walked through the door and he just banged on we are the champions oh, my friends no. <laughs> oh, I said it was worst 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 day of his life anyway so we won we got promoted um, I know that you we, I don't want to keep you till we've had you on for so long I've got the producers on the phone saying right shut up now he's let, let him go <laughs> um, so I want to just you know fast forward to to our most recent promotion were you were you following were you following Leeds throughout uh, the last couple of years in Bielsa yeah 
yeah, I, I was doing a lot of uh, major work, especially in his first year, um, and watched Leeds a lot, and um, really impressed how we transformed a team of that finished halfway in the championship the year before to being like absolutely playing a different style of football, working extremely hard, gone to a different level, and um, obviously missed out. And then you go back and see them the following year, thinking, can the go one step further and you've got to give him a huge amount of credit because of his reputation, what the, his, his philosophies um, is, is there for everybody seen. And but it takes some doing to come back from a disappointment. You've suffered disappointment. You've got to have some sort of resilience and desire about you. And he could quite easily have walked away after the Derby game. I think a lot of people would have, would have probably thought that they might have done that. And um, he didn't. He stuck by it. And some of the football that they played um, was was outstanding over well the, the, since he's been at the football club and he's reignited the city as well. I talked earlier about it that I tried to get a reconnection between the supporters and the city and this atmosphere and buzz about the place. And as soon as he got announced, that sort of started to creep back in because the club had gone through a lot of different owners, got a lot of different managers, and there's a lot of negativity and a lot of people were pretty pissed off about the way that the football club was going and being run. Um, but he, he galvanised it and you just see it now. It's, it's just, it's, it's such a buzz about the place. And it's, it's just a shame, as we all know, that no, no Leeds fans have been able to watch any Premier League football inside the stadiums at the moment. But hopefully that will change before the end of the season. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, I told Bex that I was going to let him sort of lead this uh, interview today and I've just got absolutely giddy and, and, and not stopped talking so <laughs> I, uh, I apologise for that but it's been it's been such a pleasure to have you on Simon this is sort of my my time when I was sort of going home and away with Leeds um, sort of 2008 sort of on, on uh, onwards and um, it's just a, a period that is just so important for me and my and my love of Leeds and that whole that you know that that entire season that promotion was was so special so um I really really appreciate you answering all my my inane questions mate I really that's appreciate why I let it. you take it over yeah <laughs> Jermaine's asked me all before on different things anyway so it's better for you to lead it I'm sick of hearing him anyway <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly I can't wait to get Joe on Joe's the gaffer's son and oh, he's, yeah, yeah. he's playing football as well this is a this is, do you know what? This is something that we've not had a, a chance to to approach yet. We're we're gonna have to do this on another one because the the producers are absolutely hammering us <laughs> for how long we've we've had you on for. But Joe Joe's playing football, and I remember um, Joe coming to to Preston and training at Preston with us for a little bit, and you you could just see the quality that that's in him, and and there's a lot of of the gaffer in Joe as well. So I've no doubt in my mind that he's going to become an unbelievable football player great mindset great ability great talent as well so keep your eyes and ears out and listen uh, listen out for him and, and just watch him the kid's amazing yeah he's done well he was he was on the bench last week for the first team at Blackburn against uh, QPR so that was Blackburn, uh, yep. that was nice for him he's, he's come back after being out 10 months with an injury he, he pulled the hamstring off the bone so he had the operation so he's, he's got a good attitude and work ethic so just got to keep keep working hard and eventually get a break and uh, see where it takes him. But, uh, and that's one of your old clubs, so, isn't it? Blackburn? Yeah, yeah. So we, we became sort of the third father and son 
combination to to have played for Blackburn. Um, it was about eighty years since the last one, so <laughs> not sure when. The... <laughs> but yeah, look, he's doing. Look, he's, he's, I love him to bits, and hopefully, he goes and fulfills his potential because he's got a lot of very good attributes. But it's a tough world out there. Mm. Well, we're having a look at his career, and uh, maybe we'll get him on air as well if he fancies it. Yeah, well, he's still got to go and get another 500 league games and a few medals to catch up with his dad anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, mate, this has been awesome. Well, listen, on that absolute bombshell, Gaffer, we love it, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much for your time and your stories and, and... your perspective it's been uh, abs- nothing short of for, amazing so for indulging on behalf of myself me Matty <laughs> this whole <laughs> yes, great more period more so than anything this great period <laughs> Leeds fan and, and thank you for doing it as well no. both of you I should say no. thank you for for being there throughout those years <laughs> appreciate it no worries appreciate it thanks very much Wow. Uh, sorry, uh, I've, I know I've already apologised, but sorry for um, basically just talking solidly for the last however long that was. I uh, really enjoyed that. That's all right, mate. That's all right. I've, I've just been off, cooked myself something to eat, <laughs> come back and you've just finished. That was, that was good timing. I so mean, you've buzzing. talked to him for like t- 10 years, you're 15 years, you know him well. I, I really enjoyed that chat. Um, thank you for sorting that. Ah, oh, absolute pleasure. I told you he's he's such a nice guy and so easy to, to talk to and like he's he's game for a laugh as well. So yeah. listen, I'm 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 glad he's been on. I'm glad you had an opportunity to to, you know, ask all the questions that you, you wanted answers for, etc. So yeah, buzzing. I thought it was really interesting when he talked about um you know being quite sentimental himself, but when you've got a job to do, you've got to be you got to be ruthless, aren't you? And it's trying to and I, I, he seems to me as someone who strikes a really nice balance with with players. That's someone who you can have a laugh with, you can have banter with, but at the end of the day, he's the gaffer, and you don't forget yeah, that. Absolutely, like the the I briefly touched on it um, while he was talking then, and and there were times where he dropped me, but we were having a laugh and a joke in the canteen five minutes after he dropped me because. Right of the way he dropped me and because of his personality and the, his persona, you know, he's very easy to get on with and his backroom staff as well. We, we didn't really even get a chance to, to talk about Glyn Snodden or Ian Dusty Miller, you know, those guys right. alongside Simon Grayson are a dream team. The three of them were unbelievable to work together and, and they bounced off each other amazingly. So, you know, hopefully, we'll, do you know what? Not even hopefully, we'll get those guys on as well in, a, in one of the episodes later on down the line because um, they, they've got some great stories as well. Um, but because they're all so so nice and easy going and easy to get on with, it, it, as much as it hurts being dropped from the team because obviously you're you're out of form or you're not doing what you need to do, it's it's fine because it's for the greater good and it's the way in which it's done, you know? So it's, um, they're cool, man. They're cool. I love these guys. I uh, got so into it and was so fascinated. We actually forgot to ask. Um, we, 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 put, we, questions. Put questions, we put questions out. I mean, I had loads of questions that I had to ask, as I always do every week. I had so many more questions that I could have asked. Um, but one uh, specifically came um, from Twitter from uh, Rusty A. Smith 1, Rusty Smith, um, who actually had a question for Simon and, and you, Bex. Um, Simon's gone now, so I'll have to ask you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he wanted to know about the conversation with the ref um, that went down um, after Max 
refused to leave the pitch in that Bristol Rovers game. Uh, and I'm actually interested in this as well. So you being captain, obviously we, we talked about it in the interview, uh, you, you know, were suddenly very responsible for a change and you, um, yeah. and you very calmly, you very calmly did the old Gary Lineker and, 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 and got him off. Like, what did you, what did you, do you remember what you said to Max and what you said to the referee that day? Um, if I'm honest, it was all a bit of a blur. Um, it was, I remember segments of it. I remember parts of it. Um, I remember saying to Max, look, as much as I want this decision to be reversed, it, it, it's never going to be reversed in a million years. So what you have to do is not make the situation worse. You're missing three games because it's a straight red. Don't make it four, five, six games because they're looking for any excuse to take one out on Leeds United. And you're one of our best, one of our better players. So gifted. Come on, think about what you're doing. Don't make it worse. And that that was pretty much the gist of what was what was coming out of my mouth. And when he didn't listen to that, I said, Max, if you don't get in the change rooms, I'm going to drop your mate. <laughs> <laughs> so he left reluctantly. <laughs> Just carrot, carrot and stick and the stick so, worked, did it? Yeah, the stick worked, mate. <laughs> um, but then like see, seeing the referee going in the tunnel afterwards at, um, at halftime, I think, obviously being the captain, I've seen captains before me approach referees and have a conversation, a sensible conversation with them about what's happening or what's happened. And I said, look, you have to look at the bigger picture. It's the guy stamped on him. So he stamped on him back. If Max is in the wrong, the other guy's in the wrong, you know, there's not two separate sets of rules. And he said, I don't believe he stepped on him. I, I remember him saying that to me. I don't, I don't believe he stepped on him. And he, he threatened to book me in the tunnel if I didn't, leave him alone in not so polite words so there's the stuff like that is it stuff like that 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 you went as captain you went right well I'll just deal with this on the pitch in second half then a little bit but I think the biggest part of of being spurred on on the pitch is more so to do with the fact that we had the best team in the league we had the best Mm. individuals in the league we had the best manager in the league we had the best fans in the league the best stadium in the league you know that that for me was all we needed. We knew we knew the only way we were going to lose that game is if we lost it ourselves. Right. Like they weren't going to beat us. Even when we went a goal down, down to 10 men, they weren't going to beat us. We were going to beat ourselves or we were going to batter them. Um, and it just so happened that we managed to turn it around, turn the game on its head, put them to the sword. You know, Johnny Housen's goal, we, we uh, again, we've, we've spoken about this briefly. Johnny Housen's mm. goal was brilliant. Like a long ball up to Luciano Becchio, pinned the defender, set it off first touch with his left foot, it, right into Johnny Housen's path. You know, he, he didn't even have to break stride, which was beautiful. Caught it cleanly with the inside of his right foot and just bent it into the top corner. Keeper didn't have a chance. And just watching that back, the amount of times I've watched it back and said, mate, that goal was flipping brilliant. Any other, any other game, at any other point of the season, he's getting goal of the month for it because it was so perfectly executed. Um... And that just, when that goal went in, you heard Simon Grayson, you heard the gaffer talking about it a minute ago. The eruption, the sound, the the explosion of noise that came from the fans was, in, it was immense, you know. But then it also gave us that added boost, that extra boost to put it on them even more and, and take the game to them rather than sitting back and seeing if we can, if we can pinch a, a, an equaliser, a late equaliser or whatnot. We absolutely, we stunned them, you know, and, and they had nothing to play for really. So as soon as we scored that first goal and the crowd started going nuts, you could see the 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 fear in their eyes. You could see the 
the confidence draining rapidly. And then, you know, we, we got the second opportunity, the second chance to, to score and Brad hit a cross shot to Luciano Becchio or to the far post, one of the two. He still thinks it was a cross. I think he was being selfish and greedy going for goal. Um, but then, you know, the ball the ball dropped right in my path. And, you know, the, the only thing there was for me to do was was to bury it, to hit it deep and uh, hit it down into the ground underneath nice the goalkeeper finish, defender. Yeah. Mate, it was beautiful. I, I absolutely loved it. Well, but the um, roof, if we had a roof in that place, it would have come off, mate. It was <laughs> mental. I loved it. Uh, Rusty, I hope that answered your question. Sorry that this idiot forgot to ask it when Simon was here. Um, oh, sorry. But- I was, I was, I think my <laughs> microphone must have been muted, mate. I didn't get a chance. <laughs> um, sorry. Oh, God. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for uh, tuning in yet again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, and we will speak to you after we've uh, smashed Arsenal on Sunday. Absolutely. Guys, thank you very much for tuning in once again. We love you. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your podcast. Oh, that's the end. Ciao. Peace. Doing a Leeds is a lovely stuff production produced by Dave Cribb and Will Wood. Music by Dave Cribb. <laughs>